Thank you, Shelley. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. It's always interesting to read about royalty. In 2007, Queen Elizabeth came to visit the United States. Some of you might recall this. And when she did, the newspapers reported how lavishly she lived and how lavishly she traveled. It seems that she came with 4,000 pounds of luggage, two outfits for every occasion, and she brought along an outfit for mourning just in case somebody died. She also brought 40 pints of plasma, and believe it or not, white kid glove leather toilet seat covers for her own use. She brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, and more. A brief visit to the United States cost the country of Britain a great deal, millions and millions, millions of dollars. The people of Kenya have an expression that they use for very important people. They call them wabenzi because they ride in fancy cars and luxurious cars like the Mercedes-Benz. We like to read about royalty, some of us, what it must be like to live that lavish lifestyle. The greatest man that ever lived rode into town, as we already discussed with the kids, not in a Mercedes, but on a donkey, not even in a royal carriage, not even on a stallion, a beautiful horse. He rode on a humble donkey. The story of Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem appears in all four Gospels. It was Sunday morning, and Jesus and his disciples started out from Bethany, which was on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives, and they headed for Jerusalem. Now, there's no question that the disciples had no idea what they were in for for the rest of this week. No clue. The reception they would get, the adoration that Jesus would get when they arrived, then the rejection, and then the persecution, then the ridiculous, foolish, illegal trial that took place, then the crucifixion, and finally, his resurrection. This week, Holy Week, that we celebrate beginning today, is the week that changed history. But it started out rather routinely. They were heading to Jerusalem when they came to a place called Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, the story goes, on ahead and told them to go to the village and bring me a donkey. You'll find one tied there with a colt by her. Untie her and bring her to me. If anybody asks any questions, tell them that the Lord needs it, needs the donkey. So the disciples went and they did what they were told. They brought the donkey and the colt and they put their cloaks on them. And the rest is history. A very large crowd greeted them and welcomed them into Jerusalem. Flocks of people spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds of the people shouted 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The whole city was stirred. And many people asked, who is this guy? And the crowd said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The drama begins then. The drama that we call Holy Week. Palm Sunday leads up to Jesus' passion and finally his resurrection. It's a day in human history. It's a day for us to wave palm branches. It's a day for our choir to sing joyful music. But it's also a day for reflection. There are some things that I'd like to suggest that we need to understand about this special day. First of all, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he entered Jerusalem. He knew that the emotions he would stir by entering into this holy city were going to bring about some significant things. He knew that this was going to be the end of his ministry on earth. He knew that he had taught his disciples all that he could teach them. And he knew that the cross was waiting for him. After three years of telling his disciples and others when he performed miracles and so forth and taught not to tell anybody who he was, now the time had come. Today was Palm Sunday, the big reveal. Jesus was purposely drawing attention to himself. He was finally publicly proclaiming himself as the King of Israel, the long-awaited Messiah. And he knew, too, as I spoke briefly about last Sunday, he knew, too, that he was setting himself up. He knew he was challenging the established order. He knew he was challenging the established religion. He knew he was challenging the established state, the way things were run. The religious big shots could not tolerate him, saying that he was the Messiah. They were not going to tolerate it, and they were not going to tolerate him claiming that he was a king. That would make him a rival to Caesar, and that wasn't going to happen. And Jesus knew that. People are always threatened when they encounter others who do things differently than they do. We're the same way. Jesus understood that. He knew the evil that lives in sometimes in human hearts. He knew how it all would end. And that was why he had come into this world to begin with. He came to take the evil in human hearts we call it sin, upon himself. That's the second thing we need to see. Isaiah 53 and verse 5, listen to these words. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds are we healed. Yes, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was displaying for all the world to see the evil that resides in humanity. The innocent son of God who never hurt anybody, who only did good, whose every action was out of love and compassion for the least and the lowest, this innocent man, the son of God, hangs there on a cross with nails driven in his hands and his feet, 
and a sword thrust into his side. Every time I read in the paper or see on the television that a church has been bombed or burned down or a synagogue destroyed or a mosque desecrated or a temple attacked, this is what we should see when we see those things, I think. Jesus there, hanging on that tree, blood running down his forehead from the crown of thorns that they put on his head, his parched lips crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He came to take upon himself the evil of this world, including the hatred and the cruelty and the bigotry in our hearts. That was the only way he could show us love, agape love, real love, the love that created this universe, the love that God has for each and every one of us today. There's a legend of Marco Polo's trip to the Far East. That legend says that Polo was captured and he was brought to the brutal conqueror, Genghis Khan. Desperate for some story to tell that Khan would be impressed by, he thought, I'll tell him the story of Jesus. And so he began to tell the story from the gospel according to Matthew as best he could remember it. And Genghis Khan liked it. He's hearing the story and he's listening very, very attentively, much to Marco Polo's relief. But as Polo came to Holy Week and all the events that took place and talked about Jesus' betrayal, his trial, his mocking, and his crucifixion, Genghis Khan didn't understand that. And he got agitated. And as soon as Marco Polo said, and Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, Khan just exploded. He said, what did the Christians' God do then? He said, did he send down his thousands of legions from heaven to smite and destroy these people who had treated his son like that? When Marco Polo explained that God did nothing, he allowed his son to be crucified. Genghis Khan was very disappointed and said, I could never understand, I could never believe in that God. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he entered Jerusalem. He came to take all the evil in human hearts upon himself. And that brings us to the final thing that I suggest that we need to see this Palm Sunday. Jesus came to usher in a new kingdom, a kingdom of love. He turned the world on its head, a king who comes in humility, a king who does not ask others to sacrifice for him, but offers himself as a sacrifice for them instead, a king who builds the foundation of his kingdom, not by the power of any weapons or any swords, but by the power of love and love only and grace. I read that over the entrance to the upper room in Jerusalem, there's carved a pelican. Replicas of pelican were also found on the shields of the crusaders. Why the pelican? Because in those days there was a tradition that when the mother pelican couldn't find food for her young, she would tear out her heart as food for her young.
Humanity had ever heard of a God who would go to a cross. Humanity who had never seen a God who loves like that, who would tear out his own heart for his people. And yet, here's the hope for us. When we're in pain and call upon the name of God, in Jesus, God has been where we are. He's lived a human life. He understands. He's experienced what we experience. There's a UCC pastor named Frank Geddes who talked about the cross. He told the tragic story of his son. He said when his family lived in San Francisco, his son went to school there and he rode the bus every day. And one day coming home from school, he was the last one off the bus. And he was getting off the bus and as he was, his coat got caught in the, in the door as it was closing. The bus pulled away and before anybody could do anything, he was pulled underneath the bus, he was run over, and the little boy was killed instantly. Fran described the incredible dark night of grief that he and his wife went through. He couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep, he didn't know how he could ever pick up his life again. He said one night as he was laying awake, as he did so often, he had this vision. It was an image of Jesus on the cross. He said in that moment he suddenly realized as he thought of Jesus on the cross, there is no pain in this world that I could feel that God didn't feel. There's no grief that I could feel that God didn't feel. In that moment he realized how intimately God has shared this painful time in his life. In that moment, Jesus walks with me. He said he knew that. And because of that, he said, in my ministry, I will always preach the cross of Christ. I, too, proclaim that cross. James Denny, the theologian, once said about the crucifixion that as a Protestant, he envied the Roman Catholic priest with his crucifix. He said this, I would like to go into every church in the land and holding up the crucifix, point at every person in every congregation and say, showing them this crucifix, that is how much God loves you. God loves you like that. We cannot separate Palm Sunday from the rest of Holy Week. Yes, we're celebrating today, but we need to keep it all in perspective. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he entered Jerusalem. He came to take all the evil in human hearts upon himself. He came to usher in a new kingdom of love. And in order to do that, he revealed on that hill called Golgotha, God's love for humanity. God loves us like that. Amen.